Come on, church, that's good, right? Christ be magnified in us. You don't get a lot more exciting and a lot more biblical and a lot more right in praise than that right there. Um, boy, I tell you what, if that doesn't get your heart burning on Christ, you might need to get your firewood dried out a little bit. Uh, man, that's good. This morning, uh, I haven't done this in a long time. We broke the message last Sunday into two messages. So here's what we're gonna do. The, the beginning of the message today, I'm just gonna recap where we were last week in case you either missed it fell asleep or forgot, okay? Now, most of y'all ought to be able to get up here and recap it for me, right? See, y'all got scared because you thought I was gonna volunteer you if you said amen right there. We, we've been talking for several weeks about this concept of first love and what that means for our relationship with Christ and what it means for our church. And here's the, the core truth behind all of this is that everything that we do in our personal life, in, our, in, in the secular world, and in the church ought to be done from an overflow of our love for the one who loved us first. All right? That's where we ought to be. It's okay to give a hand for the Lord in that, all right? It's okay to praise God today. In fact, I was thinking, you ever seen those videos online of, of the churches that got a little bit more um, charisma than us where the person starts running around? You seen the one where the guy goes and runs and then he just jumps in the baptistry? Now, I don't know if he knew it was full or not, but I'll tell you what, some of y'all might need a little bit of that in your life, okay? Can I get a witness, anybody? All right, some of y'all might need a little bit of that um, and, and just, just a little bit of excitement. We ought to be excited for what God's doing. Hello? All right, we ought to be excited. We ought to be exuberant. We ought to be overflowing because God is good and he's been good to us. And now, listen, if you can't shout a little bit about that, whew, I don't know. Woe is me, right? If you can't shout and holler a little bit about that, you say, preacher, I don't know. That's a little bit too much for us. We've been Baptist born, Baptist bred, and when we're died, we'll be Baptist dead. I understand. So am I, okay? I was born a Baptist, but I was reborn a Christian, okay? All right, listen, you can be born into the Baptist church, but you got to be reborn to get into the family of God. And when I was reborn, God got a hold of me so hard and so good that it's hard not to be excited. It's hard not to get a little bit joyful and shouting about what God is doing in our life. We ought to be, all right. So, so here's the thing, we hit this last week. We hit really what is the, the defining moment of first love as a message series here in Revelation chapter two and the message that, that Jesus had for John to deliver to the church at Ephesus, a church that did a lot of good things, all right? Now here's the deal, that's God patting you on the back saying, thank you. But then they got condemned because they lost their first love. All right, that's God chastising you a little bit, okay? And saying, listen, you better get back to it. Everything we do ought to be done from an overflow of our first love for the one who loved us first. Everything that we do, it ought to be an outpouring of our love for God. Here's the thing, and I'm gonna say it, all right? 
Now, this is risky. The entire leadership team is scared to death. The entire staff is scared to death. The entire, every ministry leader we got around here is scared to death of me saying this, but here's the truth. If you're serving somewhere in the church and you're not doing it out of an overflow of love, it's time for you to consider turning in your resignation. Whoa, that got scary, didn't it? Somebody, somebody leaves a ministry, right, that's a little bit scared right now. It's okay to say, oh, me, all right? That's a little nerve-wracking because now all of a sudden you think, wait a minute, preacher, I gotta fill a volunteer list. I know, hold on, we'll get there, all right? We're gonna make sure it's taken care of. But the reality is if you are doing something and it is out of just pure, like Monday through Friday, got a clock into work obligation, then please stop, take a step back and say, God, help me to have first love and to do this out of an outpouring of love for you. That's what this message series is about. Did we lose? See, that's when the message goes out. What happened, guys? Man, it's dead. All right, let me get the microphone. I could, I could scream, listen, I could scream, but somebody online wants to hear this. Is this one okay? Or are we, are we dead, Ryan? Not yet. What should I do? Whoa, which one am I on? There we go. All right, we can be done with that one. Hey, listen, I'm telling you, when you got something good to say, <laughs> the world will try anything to get you to shut up, right? All right. Uh, it, it's okay. We don't have technology problems here very often. Um, and, uh, and, and I, th I don't know what this is. I'm assuming what this is, is um, the replacement soundboard that we've been waiting for eight, nine, nine and a half, 10 months finally got in and uh, it got put up last week. Um, and so I knew there would be a glitch somewhere on it, but listen, we're back on. All right. So here's the deal. If, if it happens again, y'all just tell me whether I should grab the mic or just keep hollering. Um, but uh, here's the deal. We, we gotta do it out of love. Y'all with me on this so far? Y'all with me? Okay, so let, let's go ahead and read our passage. Revelation chapter two, we're just gonna read the, those, those first few verses, the letter to the church of Ephesus, and then we're gonna recap where we were in the sermon, and we're gonna, we're gonna move forward from there. And then I'm gonna do this. I, I have not called an audible like this in a long time, um, but Andy, where are you at, Andy? Hey, for the invitation, Andy, I wanna, I wanna change it up. For the invitation, I wanna do those last two songs that we just sang again. Can we do that? All right, he's got a thumbs up. That second song that we sang and the song that we just finished. I wanna sing that again because really that speaks so close to the core of this first love. And uh, thank you for picking those. Thank you for being sensitive and following God's direction on those songs. He, he does a good job with that. And listen, we're, we're gonna sing that over again. Um, and then whatever we're doing for the invitation, um, we'll, we'll do it next week or throw it in somewhere. Uh, but, but those two songs, because that was so, it was so close to that heart of, of this, okay? And, and he, this is where I wanna get everybody in our church. Now remember, the first message of this series, we said, this message is for, two of y'all got it, all right. This message is for, all right, five of us. This message is for me. This message is for me, all right? One more time. This message is for me, that's right. This is for every single one of us. We have to be in a place of service and worship that comes from our love for the one who loved us first, period. 
if it's anything else, if it's anything else, and I say this with a, as much of shepherding heart and mercy as I got, I hang around Jimmy Haynes as much as I can to get this, okay? Because he's got the mercy. As merciful as I can, if you're not doing it from that, please, please, please get on your knees and beg God to fix that in your life. Please, all right? So here we go. Revelation 2, verse 1. The angel, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write. Now this is Jesus sending a message straight to this church. And so much of this applies to us. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, that's the messengers to the seven churches, okay? The one who holds the seven stars, Jesus is the one who holds the stars. The stars are the messengers to the church. The one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, that's the churches, okay? There's seven letters. We're gonna read just the first one. And each one of those letters represents a church and each church is signified by a lampstand that Jesus walks amongst to evaluate, to make sure that they're on the right track and that they're burning right and hot and fervently for his name, all right? I want you to understand this is where Jesus, this is Jesus speaking here and it's, it's his message to this church and I want you to understand the authority that he has in the church. He holds the seven stars, the messengers of those church in his hand and he walks amongst the lampstands. Say this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance. Those are good things. I know that you cannot tolerate evil men and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not. And you found them to be false and you have perseverance and you have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. This is highly complimentary, church. Christ is pleased by these things. You have not grown weary. Verse four, but he is not pleased with this. Verse four, but I have this against you that you have left your first love. Verse four is the diagnosis. Verse five is the prescription. Y'all got that? Verse four is the diagnosis from the doctor. Verse five is the prescription that you gotta go down to Wyatt's and pick up. All right, now here's the prescription. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen. One, two, repent. Three, do the deeds you did at first. And now here's the warning label. This is if you don't take the prescription, what's gonna happen? How bad's it gonna get, doc, if I don't take the prescription? And here he says, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place. This is so serious and so strong that Jesus says this, if you don't take the prescription, I'm gonna cut you off and remove this church. That's pretty serious, isn't it? Anything that strong, we ought to listen to and we ought to take it pretty seriously, don't you think, church? I am coming to you and I will remove your lamp. The lampstand was signifying of the church's existence in Christ's kingdom. He says, I will remove it. Yet this you do have, we covered this last week, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, 
Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So church, the title of the message, What's Missing, is very simple. It's that first love. And the, the, the emphasis of this passage, of this message here, is that we must return to a life of serv- life and service of first love. We must get back to that, where everything becomes about that, first love. Am I doing this from an outpouring of my love for the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, that being said, I want you to do this. There's two groups of people in here this morning. There's the group of people who are actively, regularly serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. But I need you to figuratively hand your resignation over to Christ this morning. You say, whoa, it's all gonna stop next week. That's rough. You say, oh, the preacher's saying that because the nursery workers aren't in here. No, listen, everybody, everybody, you put it on his desk and say, Christ, here's my resignation. It's yours if you want it. Now, in old days, they used to say when a new pastor would come in, the, 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 the acceptable practice was for every staff member to go to the new pastor and say, here's my resignation if you want it, and, and put it on his desk. That was actually common practice in a lot of churches back in the old days. Um, doesn't happen so much now, um, but uh, that, was, that was pretty normal, that they would put it in, and then the pastor then could either accept it or reject it, um, but that was, that was the thing, okay? So giving your resignation doesn't mean Christ is gonna say stop doing that but you gotta put your yes on the table. You, you gotta give it to him and say, listen, if, this is, if, if you want me out of this, I'll get out of it, right? If, this is, if I'm serving here, but this isn't my place in the body of Christ, you, you, it's yours, Lord, it's all you. Now, there's, there's, that, there's that group of people in the, in the church this morning. You're already serving somewhere in the church regularly, consistently, faithfully. Some of y'all are doing this out of first love, amen. Some of y'all maybe lost a little bit of that first love, Okay, and you need to get it back. But you need to put in, okay, here it is. Now, I'm not saying I want everybody out of their place of service. Please hear me, right? Otherwise, we're gonna have chaos next Sunday. It's gonna be a mess. But what I am saying is this, you got to be willing. And then there's a second group in here. It's those of you that aren't serving anywhere. And I wanna remind you of this. If you are a part of the family of God, you are not supposed to be idle. You have a place in this family of God. You are here on purpose with purpose. I ought to get y'all to say that one. I am here on purpose with purpose. God has you here for a reason. Doesn't matter what it is. Maybe this, this happens a lot. Maybe you're a senior adult. And you say, preacher, I knew what my purpose was when I was active enough to do it, but my body's failing and I I can't do as much. Listen, that just means that God has changed your purpose and we're going to find it together. Can we do that? Maybe you're here and you're like, preacher, I was helping, I was serving somewhere, I got burned out. It's been hard, preacher, I get it. I've been there. If you've been around the church long enough, you've been there, it's okay but don't sit on the sidelines too long. You know what happens when you sit on the sidelines too long, right? 
you get out of shape. Maybe God takes your gift away from you. Maybe God takes other things away from you. Maybe his blessing, his hand of blessing on your life is removed and he begins to chastise you. Remember, Hebrews says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. So everybody in here, some of y'all need to put your resignation on the desk of Christ. Some of y'all need to put your application on his desk. You ain't got involved. You've been sitting on your hands too long. Now this is gonna get hard. Some of y'all are gonna be like, man, preachers like the lady walked out of uh, Sunday church um, when I was a kid, my dad was the preacher and she walked out and she would pass my dad on Sunday and she'd shake his hand and she'd say, oh, preacher, that was quite a message. She said, when I walked in, I was wearing closed-toed shoes and she'd look down and she's wearing sandals. She said, but you stepped on my, my feet so hard. You stepped on my toes so much, it wore right through them. <laughs> I say this with as much love and mercy and compassion as I can, but if you are not serving, shame on you. You better get involved. Now, one of our men, he got, he got in the hospital. I said this last week. He got in the hospital, um, been in the hospital for a few weeks. He had a stroke. He was trying to, re, he's working on regaining the function of his right arm. If you are not serving in the church, it's just like somebody who's had a stroke. The body of Christ is missing the function of a body part because of you. And that means we're limping along because you're not serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, man, preacher, this is hard. I come here, I was discouraged all week long. You're making it even worse. That's tough news. Listen, we're gonna get to the good stuff. But first, I gotta put it on you. It's time to get involved. Now let's recap where we were last, last week. I, I say this again. I made four statements to open the sermon. First one is this, your labor for the Lord is commendable. Those of you that are serving the Lord, your labor for the Lord is commendable. It's a good thing and you ought to be commended for it. Now, if it's not out of first love, we need to shift you into that. If it's not within your gifting for the Lord, the spiritual gifting that you have, then we need to move you out of that and into something that's in your gifting. That's why we want everybody to put their resignation on the desk of the Lord Jesus Christ. Second thing I said was this, your commitment to doctrinal integrity is essential. Jesus complimented the church at Ephesus and he said, listen, you have stood on the word of truth. You have rejected the false teachings of this group called the Nicolaitans that had come in and they were, teaching, they were trying to teach wrong stuff. He said, you have rejected those who claim to be apostles, but they're not because you have uh, investigated, you studied your well, your doctrine's good. Number three, he said, I, we, I said here, our perseverance is noteworthy. Here's the deal. If you've been in this church longer than a few years, your perseverance is noteworthy. There were some hard times we fell on, but we are moving out of that and back to where we need to be. And that's a good thing. We ought to be excited about that. Your perseverance is noteworthy. But then the, first, the fourth thing that I said was this, our first love needs rekindling. Our first love needs rekindling. And so here's, here's the deal, church, in the prescription of rekindling our first love. Verse number four, Christ condemns the Ephesian church for losing their first love. Verse number five, he gives them the prescription with three very easy, very simple to understand action verbs. 
These are imperative words, grammatically. They're commands, right? So it's like this. When I tell my kid what to do, they better do it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When I give my children an order to do, I get upset when they don't do it because that's disobedience. And you know what happens when they disobey? They get in trouble. So the Lord is giving us commandments of what we need to do to fix a first love problem. And here it is. There were three things. We covered the first two last week. We're gonna hit that third one uh, th this morning. The first, first two were simply this. Remember from where you have fallen. Remember from where you have fallen, right? This is looking back. And I challenged everybody. If you've been at Beulah long enough, remember it from your days at Beulah. If you've been, if you've not, but you've been in other places, remember where were you when you were the most passionate and excited and on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ? Where were you? Because I, I'm pretty sure most of you've been walking with the Lord long enough. There was a point in your life where you are so on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ that everything around you burst into flames too, right? There was a point in your life. Do y'all remember that place? You need to remember where you were. You say, well, preacher, I'm not really sure I ever had that place. I'm not, I'm not sure that I was ever that on fire. I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I didn't have anywhere to, fall, or to, to remember from where I'd fallen. And I, I've just always kind of walked through the Christian life a little ho-hum. It's time to get on fire for Jesus. It's time to, it's time to light it up for Christ, Right? I, I love, you know, it, it's interesting here. We're, we're Beulah Baptist Church. We've been sitting on the side of this hill for 153, going on 154 years. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Right? And, and now back in the day, this little area between Lithia Springs and Douglasville used to be called Beulah, the, the whole community around us. There's still some roads around here. There's a park, another church um, that carry that name. The school carries that name. This used to be Beulah. So I, I've started thinking about our area here almost. And then the other thing is they tell me that this is one of the highest points in elevation between Atlanta and Birmingham. That's pretty impressive too. That's kind of cool, you know. There's a, a, a marker up at the top of our property up there, um, a, a um, surveyor's marker, okay, a geological marker to, to signify the elevation. And uh, that's, it's, a, it's a high point between here. So I, I think of this as like almost Beulah Mountain right? We could call it Beulah Land, and we could start singing it, right? Okay? And I, I start thinking about this as Beulah Mountain, and here's the deal. This, this mountain that we're sitting on, this Beulah Mountain that we're on, we want to be a light to the world around us. We, we, want, we want the surrounding region to be able to look here and see Jesus Christ. Am I right? Let's go. Let's light it up on fire. So we need to remember from where we have fallen. The second thing in this passage was we need to, to repent. Repent of that loss of first love. Repent of the loss of first love. Now, I'm gonna say this hard, and I said this hard last week, but I'm not sure everybody quite got it. If you are living your Christian life without first love, you need to repent. Here's the deal. You don't need to just say, okay, well, I'll, I'll try to get it better. It, it's a crime. It's sinful. It's a trespass against the love of Jesus Christ displayed on that cross for you. That's how serious this is. 
The fact that we would live apart from our love for Jesus Christ and our passion for him is a sinful thing against the love that he demonstrated on that cross for us. Remember, for God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And praise God, I can call myself and you can call yourself a friend of God because Jesus Christ laid down his life for you. So to live apart from love for Jesus Christ, to do anything in this life away from an outflow of first love is a sin against the love of God for you and you ought to repent of it. Don't just say, okay, I'll change. Don't just say, okay, yeah, I need to do a little bit better. You need to repent, and I mean repent the old-fashioned way, on your knees, turning to Jesus Christ and begging his mercy for your crime against him. It's a serious offense to live apart from first love. The church of Ephesus, case in point here, the church of Ephesus is one of the most highly commended churches of the seven in the book of Revelation here. Most of what he said was positive, good things to this church. And yet he still said that the one thing he had against them was worthy that he would remove their lampstand from them. Oh me, this is a serious offense. He is not playing around on this one. And so we need to be serious. If you're living apart from your first love, please, 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 I beg you, don't hesitate a moment. Repent of your loss of first love and turn back to God. And then church number three, and here's where we'll dwell this morning for the rest of the message. Return to an overflow of worship and service through love. He says this in the verse, do the deeds you did at first. Do the deeds you did at first. That's it. That's where we wanna be. We want to go back to the things that we did for Christ out of first love in such a way that it just, it, it lit the world up. It was blazing on fire. Let me put it this way. If you do something and it works, you do it again, right? If, if you have a particular job to accomplish and you try it one way, you're gonna do it again that way, right? Is that right? Okay. Now, if you do something and it doesn't work, are you gonna try it the same way next time? No, that's ridiculous. You're going to do it the way that you have found is, it works and is successful to do it. And that's where we wanna be. We want to, we want to do for Christ from a heart of first love in such a way that is successful for his kingdom. We do the deeds we did at first. Now let's look grammatically at a couple of things in here. The first of all is this, and I remind you, this is an imperative command word in the New Testament. This is not just a suggestion. It's not just a, well, hey, if you do this, things will start to go your way. It, it, it's not that. This is a command and a command requires obedience. A command is nothing to be trifled with. It requires that we obey the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Because apart from obedience, we fail. So that's the first thing about this, this word here. If we're gonna get back to this overflow of worship and service, we have to do the things that we did it, out of a command. And so that's what, that's what I say. If you're sitting on the sidelines, please listen to me. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to come in and hammer you and hammer you and hammer you. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to just wake you up to the fact that you can't sit on the sidelines. Sitting on the sidelines is the same as, as a, a, a person who's had a stroke. They want to get back full function of their body, but, but the, the right arm or the right leg or part of the body, the, the mouth, it just droops. It doesn't do what the brain tells it to do. And if you're sitting on the sidelines, you're in that same spot. It's almost like you're hearing the message come through from Jesus, but you've turned a deaf ear to it. You're saying, no, I, I just can't. Here's, here's the simple truth about this. If, if you're sitting on the sidelines and you're wondering why your life is kind of miserable, or you're wondering why you're not growing in Christ, or you're wondering why you're not where you were from where, remember, from where you've fallen. You're wondering all of that. It's because you weren't created to be a bench warmer. You weren't saved out of sin and into the family of God to be that distant relative that never shows up or that only shows up to the family reunion and eats all the food but doesn't bring anything himself, right? Okay, now we all got that crazy cousin. We don't want them bring any food. We tell them to bring the plates and the ice, right? But they're still contributing to what's going on. You need to be contributing to what's going on. And next week we get into the message. It's gonna be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 if you want the preview. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the church as a body together and how every body has a purpose, a mission. Every member of the body is supposed to be there and has a place. And because of that, looking at the church in the light of a body, if only half of us are doing something, we are a pretty dysfunctional body, aren't we? Amen. So we all gotta work together. Now, the good news is this. If you're here, you're here for a reason. And God has a purpose for you. I believe that with all my heart. God has a place in this body for you. If you are a born-again believer, if you are part of the family of God, the Holy Spirit has gifted you specifically, you and made you a member of this body and given you a purpose and a mission and a gift to use for the glory of Jesus Christ. You're part of this. That's an awesome thing. Because I'm telling you what, I had, I had um, when I was in school, I played a lot of sports. I played basketball, I played soccer, and then I played everything else that we would play after school. Whatever we did, we were having fun. I played a lot of sports and I loved doing it. And then when I was a youth pastor, um, I, um, I, had, I had kids all in my youth group that played sports or were involved in all kinds of extracurricular activities. They were in band, they were in cheer, they were all these other things, right? And they were always inviting me, pastor, pastor, will you come see my thing? You come see my thing. So I spent a lot of time at those games and uh, activities and rehearsals and all of that stuff. I enjoyed it, right? I, I was out several nights a week, just about year round and uh, enjoyed going. Well, I had this one particular young man that uh, made the football team his ninth grade year. That's pretty cool, right? He, was, he ended up on the junior varsity team. 
And he said, Pastor, I want you to come see my game. So I go watch his games. You know, I started noticing something. Even as a JV player, he didn't really play much. He was big, he was strong, but he didn't really play much. And I'm thinking, well, maybe he just doesn't kind of have the, the it factor, you know, the instinct for this. Um, or maybe it's because it was his first year playing football. He'd never played before. And so, you know, the second year, 10th grade, he makes the team again. And this time, I believe they bumped him up to the varsity squad. But he still, he still was on the bench. Four years I watched this poor guy. He made the football team every year. Varsity team, at least two, I think it was three of the years, three of the four years in high school, he was on the varsity team. And I mean, I'm telling you what, I saw a lot of his games, but bless his heart, I never saw him play more than, more than maybe two minutes in an entire game. A few snaps and that was it. And I got to thinking about it. And I'm gonna be honest, right? Be transparent here. I'd have quit. <laughs> I don't know that I could have done it. I, I just, I, I get it. I know that there's gotta be second string. You're like, preacher, I was on the second string. You dogging on me? No, I'm not. You have more commitment than I would have. Because if I'd have made the team and got relocated to, the, now it's one thing if you're in ninth grade or 10th grade and you're on the bench. I get that. Somebody, but man, four years and never, never really got to play much. Even his senior year, he, he might play at the end of a game that it was a blowout and that was about it. And even then I watched some of the blowouts that he didn't even get to play. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't know that I could have done it. I didn't have that level of commitment. The good news is this, all right? Y'all ready? There's no bench in the church. If you're here, you're on the starting squad. Now, some of y'all got real nervous. You're like, oh no, I don't know about that preacher. I can't start. If you're here, God wants you in the game. It's time to get in the game. Can I get a witness? Somebody? All right, somebody be like the old school and shout an amen for it. If you're here, God wants you serving. That's it, come on now. Some of y'all got nervous because you never made the starting squad and you're, you, you never wanted to be on it. Listen, if you're in the family of God, you already done made the cut. It's time to get in and start serving, all right? Do the deeds you did at first. Now, for some of y'all, maybe that's, you haven't done any. It's time for you to have your first, first deeds, first works. The, the second thing I want you to notice in this, he says, he says do the deeds. The, these are works, okay? Now, here's the interesting thing. You remember this passage? Remember what we read? Let's look back at it. He said, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance, Right? I know what you've done. I know that you have not grown weary in your work and your labor. They've defended the faith, but they've also done a lot of deeds. They've done a lot of works. They've done a lot of labor. They've persevered. And he's saying, you need to do the deeds you did at first. So it's still that they need to be serving. It's not that they were doing works without first love, so they just need to cut back. And they say, okay, well, if I wasn't doing it right, I won't do it at all. Listen, it's not that. There's still work to be done. There's labor to be done. And we all need to get involved. Let me put it this way. There is more work on earth for us to do for the Lord Jesus Christ than a thousand of our lifetimes would ever accomplish. So let's get at it and get to work, right? 
Let, let's, let's dig in, let's roll up our sleeves and let's get to work. Now, I wanna say it this way. We got a lot of holes that need to be filled. In fact, I got an urgent one. I'd prefer to wait two more weeks until we get to the actual spiritual gifting part of this series. But I got, I got a hole that I've got to get filled and got to get it filled immediately. Here, here's the thing, we, we've, got, uh, we've got some great children's workers, but I've got some, some gaps for children's church that gotta be filled. And, and so here, here's what I need. I need somebody that would be willing to say, um, preacher, listen, just out of my love for God, this may not be my permanent place, this may not be my permanent thing, but I will help you fill the gaps until we can study the spiritual gifts together and we can get the right people trained and in place. Might be two months, three months, but I need some people to step up like, like today. Step up and say, listen, I'll take a couple of rotations in children's church, um, particularly, now let me, let me relegate, particularly those that have done it before and you've been on that before, but maybe even somebody who um, just you know, has, has worked a little bit with children or youth, but maybe not that area, that you would say, listen, I'll fill the gaps, preacher, I'll fill the gaps, you know, next Sunday, Sunday after, you know, the next couple months, I'll help to get on the rotation until we can get some people with the right gifting trained for this spot. We got holes, right? We got, we got holes all over the place. We need some more singers on stage, some more instrumentalists. Somebody in here probably plays an instrument. We need, we need some instrumentalists to play. We need some more people uh, up there for the cameras. We got a lot of people that, that um, can't make it out that watch us on the live stream. We got a lot of people, a lot of you guys, when you're out of town, you watch on the live stream and that's how you still gather with the body when you're out of town and you can't make it or when you're sick. We got a lot of people doing that. We need some people to help with the cameras and the sound to make that happen. It takes a lot of people. Will, Will prefers, it's crazy. I've never been around a production quite like this uh, not not as, as long as I've been in ministry. When I was in college, I was a little bit, but um, as long as I've been in ministry, he, he needs eight people in that booth every single Sunday in order to, to make sure that we get that done and done right because we want it to be not just done, but we want it to be done with excellence, don't we, church? There's eight people to be up there and, and taking care of that. We need more people in, in our prayer ministry. We need more people in our outreach ministry. We've got Kids Beach Club starting up in just a few weeks. And I need at least three more people that would step up to say, hey, Wednesday after school, I can show up for, for 12 weeks in the fall and 12 weeks in the spring. I can show up and I can help make that happen for those kids and do some outreach for that. We need people for the Pregnancy Crisis Center for the walk that they're having next month. We, gotta, we wanna participate and support that ministry. And that's just a one-day thing. We need people to fill these holes. We got holes all over the place to fill. And we need people that would say, you know what, preacher, I'm gonna put my application in. I'm gonna be a part of that. I'm gonna put my, I'm gonna put my application, get my resume out. There might not be much on my resume, but I'm gonna give it to the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever he's, whatever he's got for me, I'm willing to do it. That's where we need to be. Can we get there, church? Because there is a lot of work that needs to be done. There is a lot of labor that we need to do for Jesus Christ. Because I'll tell you this, it's bad enough that you might get caught here on earth by the preacher or one of the deacons or ministry leader sitting on your hands and not doing a whole lot. But oh, I'd hate it if Christ returned and caught you sitting on your hands, not doing anything for him. I was at a funeral here a little while back and somebody said something about, uh, 
when we, when we all get to heaven, Christ's gonna welcome us in. He's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. And you know, I don't like to disagree a lot with my fellow preachers, but you know what? I disagreed. I don't think all of us are gonna get that. I, I think some of us are gonna get to heaven and it's, gonna, it's not gonna be well done. It's gonna be, what had you done? Because I didn't see anything. That'd be tough, wouldn't it? I don't want y'all to get to heaven and, and the Lord Jesus look at you and say, I was so disappointed with what you did for my kingdom. It'd be so much better if you got to heaven and there was applause, not because of your work, catch me, catch me, not because of your work, but because of what Christ did through you. You say, preacher, I don't have the gift to preach I'm not like you. I wasn't called into ministry. I don't have all of, all of that. I don't have the, the ability to stand on a stage and stand in front of people and do all this and all that. Listen, nobody's asking you to do that. What we're asking you to do is this. Put your yes on the table to do what God has gifted you to do. As much as it would be a crime for me to deny the gifting that God has given me to be a pastor and to, to be anything else in the church, it would be a crime for you to deny the gifting that God has given you for ministry. Would you put your yes on the table to get in with me, roll up our sleeves, and let's get to work? Let's just, let's just get to work together. Can we do that? Are y'all with me? This is the time in the sermon where a lot of us have fallen asleep, so we'll kind of pause for a second. Let everybody wake up. It's the time in the sermon. Everybody's kind of falling asleep. Maybe we need to pass out some energy bars or energy drinks or something. It's, it's, let's wake up. And are, are y'all ready to get to work for the Lord Jesus Christ? Anybody with me? All right. All right. Let, let me ask you this, right? Let me ask you this. Are you willing to, start, to storm hell with a squirt gun as long as that squirt gun is filled with the water of the Holy Spirit? Would y'all do that with me? Are, are we ready to go? Let's go, come on. Are we ready to go? Are we ready to get there and get it done? Because I'm ready to go. Let's move forward. Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's get to work and let's make this happen. You say, preacher, I'm not exactly sure what you got in mind. Listen, let me tell you this. Everything I know about our God can fall kind of within this one thought here. God is wanting to do some great and magnificent things to glorify himself here on this earth. I don't always know what they are and I don't always know how they'll turn out, but I know this, if we follow him, he will do some great things and it will blow us out of the water every single time. Y'all ready for that? I don't know what it is. I just know I wanna be a part of it. You got that with me, church? Now, let me tell you a few things that I do know that we need to do as a church. Let me tell you a few things that I do know that we need. We just need to make it happen, okay? These are some things that God has put in my heart that I'm like, listen, it's time to stop uh, fiddling around with this, okay? Um, and, and, and it's time to get to work. It's time to roll up our sleeves and let's make it happen. You say, what, what are some things that we need to do? Listen, let me tell you, we're on, we're on kind of a, a reset um, with, with our children's ministry. Miss Jennifer, she stepped down after a wonderful 10 years of tenure in that position. 
And it's like, man, that's rough. You know, we, we hate to see um, a, a transition at ministry, but you know what? Listen, I believe God led her in that. And so now we look at it and we say, hey, it's time for a reset there. Let's get it going. I'm not in competition with the other churches in our area. So I'm not looking to have the best children's ministry in our area. I'm looking for this. I'm looking to have the best children's ministry that God has called Beulah Baptist Church to have, right? I wanna reach so many kids with the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can't even count them all. Wouldn't that be amazing? I, 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 want, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care what, I, I do care, but I, I'm not concerned about comparing ourselves with, with the other churches down the road on things like that. But what I am concerned with is this. I want us to live up to the calling that God has put on us. I want us to have the best youth ministry, right? So this is why I put some of my yes on the table. So now we're coming in this afternoon for this youth activity and uh, we're, we're restarting a whole new year. And I told the youth leaders, right? We got some great youth leaders in the room, okay? And I told them, I said, listen, all right, here's the deal. I, I'm rolling back the clock, all right? I'm gonna bring out youth pastor Stephen again. We're gonna have a blast. I'm gonna step in. I'm gonna lead like I was a youth pastor again. And we're, we're gonna get in. We're gonna grind it out. We're gonna reach some youth for Christ. We're gonna have some great times together. We're, to, this afternoon, we got our basketball bash. And, and um, I don't, listen, I don't wanna call him out, but uh, somebody decided that it would be a good idea to have a boxing ring here for our youth activity. And, and then I decided that it'd be a good idea to send out an invite to all the parents to bring their kids, their youth. Um, and I put in there, hashtag punch the pastor. So listen, next Sunday, I might come in with a broken arm and, and a wheelchair and black eyes and all this kind of stuff. But we're gonna have a blast this afternoon and we're gonna glorify Christ doing it. We're gonna preach the gospel doing it. We're gonna have a bang up youth group and uh, it's gonna be fantastic, isn't it church? Yeah. Okay, so I know some of the things God's wanting us to do. Listen, let me tell you another thing. And I'll put this on hard. We, we kind of hit COVID as a church, okay? And we hit COVID as a church. We had to wind back some things because of the season. But you know what? It's a shame that we are not taking advantage of the opportunity on Wednesday nights to do some real ministry here at this church. It's time we brought back some Wednesday night ministry here at this church to reach some people for Christ. Anybody with me? Let's, let's bring it back. Let's make it happen. Wednesday, and, and listen, I know that times and seasons change, and, and someday this may not be the truth, but I can tell you this. I believe firmly we're missing a lot of opportunity for Wednesday nights to make a difference in our community. We're gonna start doing it again soon. Y'all with me? I got anybody? Yeah. We, we wanna have, listen, I... I, God has such a great future for us as a church. You don't even know. We can't even begin to imagine it. You know, I, I love to pray through different things. And um, you got unleashed Stephen today, man. Y'all y'all are in so much trouble. I, I like to, um, I'm even going off camera. I, I, I like to pray through different things. And, and all summer long, my prayer, and I invited y'all to join me with this, was that God would rekindle in us a first love. Rekindle in our hearts a first love. If y'all pray, who prayed for that with me? I know a bunch of y'all did. Who prayed for that? Thank you. Rekindle in us a first love. He would just bring that about. Now, that's been my prayer all summer. I, there's another prayer that I like to pray, and I've, I've done this in several different seasons of my life. Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter three says this, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly be above all that we could ask 
or imagine. That's incredible, isn't it? To him be glory in the church forever and ever, amen. And I, I misquoted the second verse of that. Um, I paraphrased it, but stay with me on this. Stay with me. I apologize for that, but stay with me. Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine. So here's what I want you to do. Pause for just a moment. Every single person in the room today, every single person online watching us today, I want you to pause for just a moment. Now, I want you to imagine if everybody in our church rolled up their sleeves and got to serving out of first love and got to living their life out of first love, imagine what God would do with our church and the impact he would make through Beulah Mountain here, right? Imagine that. So just take a second. Y'all with me? Imagine what God would do. How, how, how amazing that would be. Okay? Now, I want you to imagine beyond what you just imagined. Okay? You're like, well, I don't even know what to imagine now. I want you to think even further past that. Some of y'all maybe were thinking about um, full seats or, or, or um, bigger ministries or more outreach or um, whatever, right? You were just thinking, now, here's what I want. Y'all ready for this? God can do exceedingly abundantly beyond that. Oh, man. Did anybody just get wowed? Did anybody just get chill bumps on them? You think, think the, far, the biggest, the farthest, the most incredible thing that God might do at this church, everybody rolls up their sleeves, everybody gets to work, everybody's on fire for Jesus Christ. You think about that and how great that would be and how much of an impact we could make for the kingdom. And now I want you to stop for a minute. God can do, not just beyond it, God can do exceedingly, abundantly beyond that. That's the God I serve. Now, let me tell you a story. Several years ago, I was serving in a ministry down in Lake City, Florida. Just two days ago, I went down to Florida um, real quick, in and out. For one day, I had to pick up my son uh, from his grandparents, and um, we met up in Lake City, and then I drove over to Tallahassee to see my grandmother. She's uh, in, in rehab from a broken leg, and uh, drove down there and drove back all in one day. I took a few minutes when I was in Lake City. Lake City was home for us for almost six years. There's a piece of my heart that dwells in Lake City because of the ministry that, that God just gave us there and how much of our lives we poured out. I love Lake City, Florida. And I drove by, I took Samuel. It's been a long time since he's been down um, by the church over there. So we drove um, off the interstate for a bit, you know, five minutes or whatever to get to where our church was. And I drove around the church and he said, oh, I remember this, dad. He was only uh, four years old, five years old, four years old when we left. And um, he said, I remember some of this. I remember some of this. And there was a few cars in the parking lot. So I said, let's go in, Samuel. See, I'm, I'm out, outgoing enough. I was like, I don't care. I'll just go. So I, I, I don't know the pastor there anymore. They've had a, a new pastor come in. I don't know the youth pastor there anymore. Um, I, you know, I didn't know who, I didn't know anybody that works in the office anymore. And so I had no idea who'd be there, but I thought, well, I'm gonna stop in. So I knocked on the door a couple times. They finally answered. Um, and um, and I, I walked through some of the church and I met the new youth pastor. I met the administrative assistant there and, and um, had some good times. We reminisced. We talked about some of the people we knew and, and then I left. And uh, it reminded me of this. It reminded me of all the great things that God had done when I was there. 
It wasn't always like that. When I got to Lake City, I was, I was a young, pretty fresh new youth pastor. I had been in student ministries bivocationally for about three years before that and um, then, then moved down into full-time ministry there. And I got about two years in and I got really, really frustrated because it wasn't going the way I thought it was gonna go. I got frustrated because in a couple of years' time, I hadn't seen a lot of young people come to Christ. I hadn't seen a lot of young people really, really just grow and thrive in their faith. I hadn't seen the church grow. I got really frustrated. Anybody ever been there? You're just really frustrated with something you're trying to get done? I got super frustrated. So here's what I did. I went through a season in my life where the, the best that I can describe it is I just went into, and I didn't actually do this, but figuratively, I went in and I wiped everything off of my desk and I said, all right, God, what do you want on here? I, I said, listen, what, whatever it is, I'm, I'm frustrated, God, because here's the thing. I know, God, that you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask or imagine. And so the fact that you're not doing it is not because you've changed, because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So all I can figure is I'm not doing something right. So I said, God, whatever it is, I'll do it for you. And ultimately, he led me to a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22, where it says, I have become all things to all people so that by all means I might reach some. And I got to thinking to myself, and I thought, well, I haven't. I haven't put all of my yes on the table. I, I haven't tried being all things to all people. I haven't tried all means. So I'm not reaching even some, just maybe a couple here and there. And I put my yes on the table and I said, God, I will do and be whatever you want me to be for Jesus Christ. I, I I'm all in. What do you want me to do, God? And I will do it. I can't say I've been perfect. I can't say I've always, always you know, been, been the epitome of following it, but what I can tell you is this, it was life-changing for me. It was ministry-changing for me. And God began to bless that. I began to be so singularly focused on pursuing Jesus Christ and his glory on this earth that God flipped some things upside down in my life and ministry, and ultimately what's happened is we reached a lot of young people for Christ. And the reason that I can say a part of my heart is there is because like when Paul would write to somebody and say, my children, when John the apostle wrote and said, my little children, I look all across Lake City and I see my little children. Are you ready to see that here on Beulah Mountain? Y'all with me? Let's do that. But then he closes it this morning with this. He said, you have to do the deeds you did at first. And that word first, again, refers right back to the previous verse. You have lost your first love. You have to do it out of love. Not just any love. Love for the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning's a rallying cry. Let's get to it, church. Let's get to it. You put your resignation or you put your application, whichever it needs to be, on the table for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Maybe you need to give him your life for the first time ever. You have never accepted Christ as your savior. And today's the day that you just need to open your heart to him. Whatever it is, would you, would you do that with me? Would you put it on the table and say, God, I will do all things for all, uh, to all people with all means so that I might reach some. I'll do whatever it takes, God. If you're asking me to do it, I'll do it. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna put my fears aside. I'm gonna put my, my, my worries aside. I'm gonna put my, my questions aside. I'm just gonna say, God, I will do out of first love whatever you want me to do. That's the rallying cry this morning, and it's gonna be good. Stand with me if you're able. Heads bowed, eyes closed. The invitation is simple, very easy, very, very straightforward today. Would you put your yes on the table I'm telling you, church, God wants to do some amazing things in our midst. I believe that God wants to shine forth from this mountain in such a glorious way that it can only be him. Nobody could mistake it for anything else. It's not a work of man. It's not a work of us, but it's just a work of God and him alone. But what it takes, we've got to put our yes on the table. We've got to, We've gotta be willing to do, not out of obligation, not out of, out of a, a need to just fill a, a spot or fill a ministry or fill a rotation schedule, but we've gotta do it out of a love, a first love for you, for him, him alone. So church, would you put your yes on the table? Would you give, not me, not your ministry leader, not whoever it is that you report to, but would you give the Lord Jesus Christ, your resignation today and say, Christ, if you need to move me, move me. Help me to do out of first love through my gifting. Would you put your application on the table and say, Christ, I'm willing to serve. I don't know what position I'm applying to, but I'll do it. Heavenly Father, would you accept our plea, our cry? The best that we have to offer is just to simply say yes to you. Would you accept that from us this morning? Would you help us, God, to follow you? Wherever you lead, I will follow. No turning back, no turning back, no turning back. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's sing together again, a little bit different. You heard me. We're gonna sing a couple songs. We're gonna just kind of close it out in some worship this morning. The altar's open. If you need somebody to talk to, Brother Terry's up here. Um, I'm up here, Miss Monica for the ladies. We're here, we're ready to pray, we're ready to talk to you. But listen, we're just gonna close it out in some worship today. Put our yes on the table. Let's sing together, church. Come on, sing it with all your heart. Sing it with all you got, with all your passion, all that you are. Makes it easy to love.